if I asked you to explain how you see God, how you understand God, if I, if I asked you to try and, and, and detail uh, what you think God is like, uh, what you think God uh, might think, what you think God might believe, how, what you think, you know, how it is that God sort of sees things, understands things, operates in the world. If I ask you to try and kind of detail that, uh, I, I'm guessing that most of us would produce a God which is kind of just like a bigger version of ourselves, <laughs> right? <laughs> what we tend to do as humans is we, we project onto God what we experience in ourselves, and we often don't realise this, right? Our thoughts and our beliefs. So, for example, if I uh, carry this idea somewhere in my unconscious or conscious that bad things happen when we make mistakes, you know? You ever had that thought, oh, I've failed, I've messed up, oh, that's something bad's going to happen to me now. Right? If you carry that thought then quite possibly you um, have this idea of a God who punishes, right? He's looking, waiting for us to make mistakes, right? And right, oh, there we go, Father Dan, he's messed up, it's coming, <laughs> right? Uh, or, or maybe you've, uh, you've experienced your parents as, as, as harsh and distant. If that's the case, then quite possibly you have somewhere in your conscious, unconscious, this idea of a God who is distant, and harsh. Maybe you carry a, a scarcity mentality uh, through your life. You know, some of us carry this more than others, this fear that things are going to run out, I won't have enough, I, I need to make sure I've, I accumulate more, I, more savings, more this, more that, you know, it's just this constant anxiety about not having enough. But if you, if you carry that within yourself, it's quite possible that you have an idea of a God who is stingy. Right? We'll only give you so much. And once you've got enough, that's it. It's your quota. Sorry, no more. <laughs> Not only is our understanding of God often limited and very distorted at times, um, but what we also tend to do is we, we reduce God to a size that we can fit in our own heads, right? <laughs> we, we, we domesticate God. And, and, and one of the, the problems with this for us is that we, what we do is we, we relate to God according to how we understand God. We, we, we expect from God according to how we understand God is, right? That, that's, that's just how we work, you know? If we think God is going to punish us and we're, you know, we might be a bit fearful towards God. Another way of saying all this is that we, we tend to turn God into an idol. Into a represent, you know, we, we carry this representation of God which is not truly God. This brings us to the first reading today. Uh, Paul's in Greece, he's in Athens. And uh, Greece, of course, is a, a, pagan, uh, a pagan place. And, and he'd been walking around looking at all the all the monuments, right? These 
you know, some of them would have no doubt been idols, you know, made of gold and silver and stone. And he saw this altar, uh, uh, which was dedicated to an unknown God. And, and Paul was distressed, right? He recognised that these people were, they had the, the heart was there, but they, they just, the image of God was so off and so limited and, and, and you know, um, so far from who God really was. So, so he makes a real effort with these pagans to, to try and meet them where they're at, but then lead them, like, to expand and fill in their, their, their view of God. He does it very delicately, you know, so he just meets them where they are. He says that since the Lord who made the world and everything in it uh, is himself Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't, he doesn't need a home um, made by human hands. He's not dependent on anything that human hands can do for him. For it is he who gives everything, including life and breath. In fact, he's not far from any of us, since it is in him that we live and move and exist. See, Paul's trying to kind of help them to... And then eventually he leads them to Jesus, right? The, The face of God. He's trying to fill in, to expand, to help them to appreciate the truth of who God really is, who it is that they're able to access and relate to if only they would come to to know him. Now, if you know your scriptures, you you would um, know only too well that it wasn't just the pagans that had a problem with idols. God's people were constantly, constantly uh, worshipping idols, creating idols and the prophets in the old testament were constantly like saying hey that's not god and trying to point people back to to the to the truth of of who who god is and and that's true for us too right we without often without realizing it we we domesticate god we we carry ideas of god which aren't true of god we we turn our hearts to things um you know to replace god we 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 do it too right and so so that the, the challenge or the opportunity for us is to keep um, making an effort to, to clarify and to remind ourselves and to expand uh, our, our idea and our appreciation of, of who God is and who God wants to be for us, right? This is a lifelong task. We can never get anywhere close to understanding God, not even like remotely close, <laughs> um, which is, you know, we shouldn't see that as a problem. It's an opportunity. It's God's so big, you know, big in ways that we can't understand big. <laughs> uh, so we, we need to keep being open, right? Allow God to take us on the journey to reveal the truth of who he is, his greatness, his beauty, his love, his kindness, his heart of justice. Now, I want to suggest if we want to do that, we need to put ourselves in environments um, that can break through our small-minded thinking, right? Just two came to mind. Uh, One, uh, confession. If we go to the sacrament of confession and we're really real with ourselves and with God, if we go in vulnerable with God, um, uh, then what tends to happen, at least in my experience, is that we'll encounter God's goodness and God's mercy. And that, 
that encounter of his love, his acceptance of us as we are, um, uh, his faithfulness, it, it's, it sort of breaks through these ideas of God, you know, uh, you know th- that we have of God which aren't really of God. You know, it, it's, that experience of mercy just rewires us. It expands our, our whole appreciation of God's goodness. It takes us to a new level. Right? This is just one example. Another example is taking time to behold beauty. When you look at an ocean and you actually look at it and you allow it to, to touch you, uh, I don't think as humans we, we can't help but have that experience of awe and wonder, right? It's just something expands within us. We just, this is too much. I can't, I can't understand this. And, and you're right, you can't. And we never can. But, but something about that mystery of that beauty and that goodness, maybe you're on the top of a mountain and you're looking at a, a scenery and it's just... It does something. And that something is really good and important. Because <laughs> it, it points to us of something of God's majesty and grandeur and unknowingness, you know, but, but, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it enriches our, our, um, our, our appreciation of God. It reminds me of Moses in the burning bush, right? Remember he had that encounter of God in the burning bush? But how did he know that the bush was burning but not being consumed? How did he know that? Well, the only way he could have known is if he was looking at the bush burning long enough to realise that, oh, it's burning but it's not being consumed. He must have taken time to allow that sight to touch him. And and I want to suggest we need to do the same. Don't waste that moment when you're up a mountain or you're looking at a beautiful tree or an artwork. Go to Marco's gallery and just look at his art and allow it. Allow it to, to, um, to speak to God. Speak, God. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> speak of God to you. 